This episode of Vintage Stormfront Freaks has been previously recorded. Brought to you by the AMS Weather Band. Join a community of weather enthusiasts at amsweatherband.org. The Drive Weather App. Avoid dangerous weather on your road trip at driveweatherapp.com. And Midland Radios. Built for communication and made for connection at midlandusa.com. And Windstorm Products. For all your hurricane hardware needs, shop windstormproducts.com. Introduce Dr. Karen Kosiba. Um, Karen's an atmospheric scientist at the Center for Severe Weather Research in Boulder, Colorado. Um, she's a strong believer in experiencing weather from the inside of Doppler on wheels. I love that. Um, radar truck, it's a radar truck, and she participated in a multitude of field projects, including radar observations of tornadoes and thunderstorms, uh, the experiment uh, rotate, hurricanes and landfall, uh, the verification of the origins of rotation and thunderstorms experiment, Vortex 2, and Long Lake Axis Parallel Lake Effects Storms Project. Wow. Uh, just to name a few of the things she's done. Uh, she's also received a, a BS in physics at Loyola University, a MS in physics, and an MAT in teacher education at Miami University, and a PhD in atmospheric science at Purdue University. And Karen, I have to say, you know, I've been a big fan of yours, just, just knowing what you have done for women, especially in the science field and, and, and what you have and your accomplishments. And I, I guess since when I was a little girl, my dream was to do probably what you're doing. And that was to study tornadoes and, and to figure out why and but I kind of want a different direction. I, you know, I think a lot of folks out there are probably curious, how did a little girl get to this point in her life? I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible career for you. Oh, you're actually asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how did, how did you start? How did you, how did, were you always interested in weather? Or is this something that came no, later after not. your physics? I feel like I should have some good backstory here. Um, you I'm don't have to, nope. I know, like, and then there was this, no. Um, I think as a kid, I was always interested in the world around me. Um, and I was super afraid actually of thunderstorms and lightning. Um, and at some point in my life, I was also really afraid of tornadoes. And probably ultimately that inspired me to get into meteorology and study those things and to learn more and to really understand stuff and not be afraid of it. Um, but I was pretty aimless for a while, as you could tell by my degrees in physics, which seemed like they should do something. Yeah, <laughs> they should right. take me somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So then. Yeah, somehow, some way, I guess eventually when I got grew up, I realized that um, there's a lot of unanswered questions in meteorology and I had some fun opportunities um, as a student to go work with the Doppler on wheels stuff. And I really liked the idea of working with that kind of technology and then the idea of sort of designing my own experiences, experiences that too, um, experiments and going out in the field um, and actually collecting the data and getting the data that I wanted to answer these questions. So. That's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. Wow. <laughs> You're not afraid of tornadoes? Because I'm still afraid of tornadoes. I, the funny thing is, um, 
is that when I'm like doing research and stuff that I'm so absorbed in what I'm doing, like I am so disengaged, which is always horrible, like from what's actually happening outside of the radar truck. Like I'm so into like getting the data, getting in the right spot, making sure everything looks good that like, I think I probably like actually looked out the window probably like three times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> which is pretty horrible. Everybody's always like, look, tornado. Like, oh, so yeah, so what's, Karen, what's your role with the team? So obviously when you're doing that, you've got the Dow trucks, but you, you've got a number of others in vehicles as part of the yes. team typically, right? So what, what's your role within the Dow truck? Uh, are you trying to help place people? Are you checking on something else? What, what role do you play? Well, it's evolved, um, but uh, basically what I'm doing is, yeah, I'm trying to help place people. I'm usually running one of the radars because, um, especially for tornadoes, um, obviously you're, you know, looking at where the tornado is and where people need to be relative to that. So um, I'm busy doing the radar stuff and then also placing people, making decisions, um, you know, working with my colleagues out there to hopefully get us in the best possible place. So, what's, so what's, in the the field, biggest, yeah. what's the biggest group you've had that, that you guys have been a part oh. of, of all these projects you've been in? Yeah. I mean, Vortex 2 is big, like, um, not just our group, but like, you know, outside all these different groups there. So Vortex 2 had a lot of people in it, a hundred plus. I did this project called Pecan, um, which also had like a hundred plus people. Um, but for our group, um, for CSWR, um, it just depends on the project, but sometimes, you know, suddenly we have 30 people that I'm responsible for. Wow. Um, you know, during a project like that, because we have, you know, three radar trucks, four mesonets and stuff like that. So where, where are the trucks tonight? Huh? They're on, they might be in Panama actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not Panama. exactly. Yes. Um, so we're doing a project, um, this fall in Argentina called Relampago and a week ago we loaded the tr trucks up in Houston and they're on a boat, um, headed towards oh. Buenos Aires. So I think last I heard they were somewhere near Panama. Oh my God. <laughs> so are, what are you guys are going to be doing the research with that or they're going to be using it, their government or how's that working? Uh, we're actually doing the research. So we do all these different types of projects. I mean, some of these projects that I've done, I'm just what we call a project science, not just, but um, it's not my research. I'm just helping to make sure that the radars are out there and ready and all that kind of stuff, um, which is fun because it's fun to see all these different types of weather phenomena that I'm not necessarily studying. Um, but Relampago, yeah. we're actually scientists on that project as well. So we're bringing out our stuff, but also we have a scientific interest in getting data out there. Wow. So if it's so, on a boat, like <laughs> how much insurance do you have to put on that thing? If that boat sinks, are you <laughs> wondering yeah. what happens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we got two left. You know. No, they're all on there. All of oh, our stuff all. is on there. Yes. Ooh. We have nothing in Boulder right now. Well, we have one, we have one radar truck in Boulder. We're actually building a new radar that we're trying to get out there. Um, that's a bit fast, but we're going to do it. What, what kind of radar is it? Um, it's going to be a, so the Doppler on wheels, the Dow ones that we've been routinely operating are X-band radars. Um, so mm -hmm. they, that's, they have a three and a half centimeter wavelength and they're, they're good for a lot of things. Um, so they're good for, you know, studying tornadoes. Um, and they're kind of a good mix for seeing small scale stuff, um, and somewhat larger scale stuff, but at a certain point they attenuate. Mm. Um, so you can't see sometimes, you know, back of supercell thunderstorms, or if you're doing this big project with these MCSs, these really big rainy things, you can't, you know, see the whole thing really well. Um, so the C-band radar, which is a five centimeter wavelength radar, um, is also going to be on a truck, but it has a really cool design, um, where normally the antenna is just fixed on the pedestal, um, and we can get down the road, no problem. <laughs> yeah. But in order to get the same beam width, uh, with the C-band, so with this five centimeter radar, um, we have this antenna that we actually assemble in the field. So we have this really big, you know, 12 foot antenna that you can't drive with. 
um, but it comes in two pieces. And then once we put the radar there, um, we'll basically assemble the antenna with a crane. Um, oh so, my god! Yeah, so it'll be pretty cool. How long cool. does that take? I don't know. We're building wow. it right now. That's, wow. that's, it doesn't sound overly mobile. It's <laughs> um, deployable. Um, so the idea basically is, you know, you wouldn't go tomato shooting yeah. with it, but you know, something for like a hurricane or something, you know, where you have two or three hours sure. to set up the radar. You know, okay. you could set it up in two or three hours, keep it there, and then disassemble it. You know, two or three hours again. So, Dr. Kasiba, do you? It, explain to everybody you when you do the take the Dow out. Is that something that's already like you're only doing some kind of uh, specific research, or do you just on a chase day take it out there and see if you can get a tornado? No, and I know people always think that um, we do have some um, flexibility with um, the way we a couple of free you know weeks or a month a year that we could sort of do what we want with it. Um, but basically, what they are right now is the National Science Foundation. Um, they're part of their observable network. Um, so us, just like any other researcher out there, <laughs> yeah. actually has to request to use them. Um, so if we wanted to use the DAOs for, you know, tornado chasing or hurricanes, um, we actually have to ask to use okay. them and put together a proposal. <laughs> who, who else would be using them? Um, I mean, there's other projects that are going on. I mean, there's a lot of different projects um, that people request them for, um, just different researchers at different universities. And yeah, I mean, if they're not being used, you know, which, I mean, they're usually, I mean, during a year, we're pretty busy, and this has been a pretty busy year. But, yeah. I mean, you have to have money and stuff to take them out, you know, so it's like, you know, we can't just spend our money on whatever we want to do. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like going to the library and checking out a book, right? No, hey, no. take the Dow out. <laughs> I think I'll take the Dow out now. No, there's a, a review process for that. Um, but, yes, so we are also subject to that as well. <laughs> have, have, have you been a part of the, the Vortex Southeast project? Um, I personally have as a scientist, um, but we have not bringing out our radars to that project. Um, so maybe in future years we'll be doing that. So okay, who, okay so who's doing that then? So who's providing um, the vehicles? I, well, I can give you this big long explanation of how Vortex SE works. Um, but <laughs> the super yeah. short explanation is that <laughs> yes. um, Vortex SE is NOAA sponsored. So okay. we are NSF sponsored our vehicles. So actually, NOAA would have to pay. Um, a little bit to take out our vehicles. Um, so places like um, the National Severe Storms Lab, um, they have a NOXP radar, an X-band radar, um, and there's a bunch of NOAA-sponsored stuff out there um, that are getting some funding. And then um, Kevin Nupp um, at the University of Alabama, um, he has a mobile radar and some mobile systems. Um, so, were, were you a part of the pro part of uh, the original Vortex? Probably. God, I'm not that old. No. <laughs> I didn't know maybe at what point you came into all that. But. No, no, no. And actually, in all fairness, I probably could have been a college student. But no, I was not part of the okay. original okay. project. Okay. What? So what years? What years was that? Uh, ninety-six wow. and ninety-seven, I think, or ninety-seven and ninety-eight, something mm. like that. I think those okay. are. You know. Phil, you're trying to guess her age. Knock it off. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I'm trying to really figure out when that was because, truthfully, I didn't think it was that long ago. And when you say late nineties, to well, to me, that's not that long ago. Yeah. So that's my it's my apologies. Not. Okay, so tell us about the. Um, I was interested about the lake effect. You know what you guys are doing with that, with that project. Yeah, so the original project, actually the one you named, um, obviously um, up in upstate New York on uh, Lake Ontario and also Lake Erie, they got a lot of lake effect snow up there. And the real fun thing about that is that, um, in terms of you know stuff that you don't know about, is that uh, they don't have really good radar coverage up there. So they actually don't 
really see these bands that well. I mean, they do see them, and some of them, in some places, they don't see. Um, so really understanding more about some of this band formation, how it interacts with um, all these, you know, with the lake, but also sort of the upstream environment. And everybody's probably heard of the Tug Plateau. Um, yeah. I think that keeps making the news now recently. And every winter, it seems like the Tug is breaking their records. Um, yeah. So looking at that, so uh, so the original project was Scott Steiger at the University of um, whatever's up there, Oswego, <laughs> New York. What, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and it was just him, and it was a single radar. Um, and then a few years ago, we did a project called OWLS. Um, and I'm not going to remember what the acronym stands for. <laughs> but it was a much bigger project, and it had a lot more investigators in it. Um, one sort of Scott Steiger, you know, proved, um, not proved, but sort of showed that the radars were really good for seeing this stuff. Um, so then we brought up three of our radars, University of Wyoming, King Air, um, and a bunch of other uh, instruments. So that was a, a pretty decent-sized project with a lot of different scientists involved, um, including ourselves. And sadly, I mean, my interest in that was not sadly, but I like things yeah. that rotate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and these store, these lake effect bands actually have a lot of what we call mesovortices in them, um, which, although they look cute on radar, um, for the most yeah. part, they're pretty benign. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so I, I'm assuming that's that tornado. Well, most weather people have some kind of a favorite weather phenomenon, so I'm assuming tornadoes is yours. Yeah, I think tornadoes is mine. Yeah. I, I like hurricanes too. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, but just because there's a lot of things you don't know about both, like not you, but a lot that people don't know about tornadoes and hurricanes. <laughs> so no, <laughs> they're just interesting in the sense that like it's challenging to observe them, and then there's just challenging questions out there. So it's sort of, but it's also sort of incremental moving, you know, science forward in these things. Right. In anything interesting you about uh, Hawaii right now? Um, I mean, Have they're going to get anything? outer rain bands, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, you know, obviously um, that's interesting in some ways, but um, it doesn't look like they're going to get a direct hit, at least right now, no. um, at least by the eye wall. I should, <laughs> when I say direct right. hit, I'm probably very picky about what that means. Plus Panama to Hawaii. That's going to be a tough time. Yeah, that's a tough time to get there. <laughs> turn them, turn them around. Although they're on a boat, so you know we could actually get the eyewall. So tell, so tell us, Karen, a little bit. Uh, obviously, your background and and some of the storms and tornadoes and what what have been some of the most memorable ones for you? <sighs> this one time, I was in a radar truck and. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same story, huh? There's there a stream with all these colors on it, and it got a little windy. Um, I mean, there had to have been, like, when, with these teams, right? All these teams that you've got, there, there's yes. got to be some high-pressure situations where you're putting there, there people. Has and, been, there has been, and I'm being a little facetious. Um, God, just remind me not, not to be a part of your project when you're, oh watching, the, <laughs> you're watching the radar. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good because I'm I'm watching it. <laughs> you want me doing that. That's true. That's <laughs> you don't true. want me being like, oh, and then there's this cloud and blah. Um, so, so it's stress. Think stress, or then maybe you don't get stressed out. I don't know what what uh, no, could have been I, some exciting moments. There's been probably two standout tornado ones, and hurricane ones are always stressful. Hurricanes are stressful from from start to finish. Wow. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Hurricanes are super stressful. Um, I'll go back to tornadoes, but hurricanes, just because I guess everybody's, you know, it's hurricane season. Um, so we did Harvey and that was stressful in the sense that it was really windy. And that was probably the first hurricane that I'd been in. Um, I've done seven hurricanes, eight hurricanes I've been in. Um, and that was the first one that it was 
the wind was actually more interesting um, in the sense that, you know, we actually were getting, you know, wind gusts. Um, I think our peak wind gust there was 143 miles per hour oh my gosh. Um, where we were at. So, you know, <laughs> um, so that was that was interesting. Um, but the one that probably nobody there's a hurricane Isaac um, back in whenever mm -hmm. this was like a non hurricane almost. And we decided since it was a non hurricane to just be go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this like peninsula like under like New Orleans, I can't even think of the name of it, like where the Mississippi River goes down, it's basically all swamp. Um, and there's levees. So there's the Mississippi River. And then um, there's levees on either side. And basically, we're like, yeah, like, let's just go far, far down. Um, and for hurricanes, what we're looking at when we deploy is we're always trying to decide, um, you know, how close can we get to the coast? Um, and basically not get surged. Um, <laughs> So, you know, surge is a huge, huge problem um, in hurricanes and especially the places that we want to deploy. Um, but we thought this was a non, not interesting hurricane. So we just, we went way down this peninsula um, and we deployed on a levee and the hurricane was slow and big and all the models that we looked at, all these forecast models, all these flood forecast models um, really just under predicted the storm surge. And that actually was a storm, I think, um, that really made the hurricane center. Um, look at you know the storm surge forecast stuff because it was we give ourselves obviously a lot of room <laughs> yeah. you know we don't just give ourselves a foot <laughs> um, but it was getting pretty close so it was it was pretty nerve-wracking um, a boat you know a boat became unhinged and was like sort of floating towards us like during the hurricane oh um, so again it wasn't really windy but it I mean it was windy in the sense it was a hurricane but the water and we kind of yeah um, and the emergency management officials, they knew we were down there and they kept calling us and their tidal gauges, you know, they kept getting all these like tidal gauge measurements and they're like, it says, you know, whatever, 13 feet. They're like, that can't possibly be right, is it? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, right. it's right, it's right. Wow. It looks right, it's pretty high, it's, you know. So we were a little worried that it might top the levee um, that we were on. And eventually, after the storm, um, the levee north of us broke. Um, and we were basically refugees at a fire station for a couple of days down there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so did you so, guys have limits on where, how far you'll go? I mean, into the storm or? Well, yeah. I mean, what we're trying to do is we are really trying to get, you know, the right front quadrant of the eye wall. Um, so we're trying yeah. to get oh the nastiest God. winds that are coming ashore. Um, and it's always an iterative process. I mean, it really is. So myself and my colleague, Josh Mormon, we're always back and forth. I mean, he always plays, you know, devil's advocate on me. Oh my God, like, let's go out on a barrier island. And I'm always like, oh my God, like, let's, you know, <laughs> deploy 50 miles inland. And somehow, you know, oh we're doing God. this. We, you know, converge on, I think, what's a sense of, you know, a, a place that makes sense um, okay. to deploy. So it, it does start out sort of funny where we're both, you know, <clears throat> you know, because he knows I'm sort of conservative and I know he's, you know, on the other end. So we're both, and then we also, you know, both just go extreme about it. Um, what but again, Oh, sorry, what, are, go ahead. what are the trucks rated for wind? Because you've been talking <laughs> a lot about winds. I'm like, mm. they survived 143 mile an hour gust. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're rated for wind. I mean, they're obviously, heavy. you know, yeah, they're hot. They that helps. <laughs> they weigh 26,000 pounds. They're big, heavy trucks. Um, you know, they I mean, in the mileage. hurricane, yeah, they get horrible gas mileage. In Hurricane um, Harvey, <laughs> we sort of actually did a slightly dumb thing. Um, is that we deployed at an airport, which is one of our places we kind of like to deploy because it's a nice, you know, flat, open area. Yeah. Um, but some of the airport buildings, um, because it actually ended up being a wind event, came apart. Um, so there was a little oh, bit of, gosh. you know, debris um, that actually took out um, some of our anemometers um, at a certain point. Um, but again, the trucks are heavy and hard and, you know, they're, they're good. 
Did so, Noah know about that? Because they're on line one right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're calling. <laughs> they're calling. Hey, so uh, a question uh you you brought up dr josh Worman. you know you guys were a part of the discovery channel storm chasers TV yes. series. <laughs> give give me one word to describe your experience with that production um one word <laughs> what do you think um can i give you more than one word yeah sure what the hell we're, we're crazy we're crazy we're crazy i feel crazy um it was good. In some ways, it was good. I mean, there was, you know, those were years that we didn't have a lot of NSF funding. Um, a lot of times, you know, we're trying to, you know, be creative and find other ways to get funded to do stuff. And we're trying to do different things for hurricanes and insurance companies. Um, for me, I mean, the funny thing is for me, I was a graduate student um, when that happened, actually. Um, mm. So, yeah. So I don't, I, they were having a hard time placing, quote unquote, the, Karen character. I mean, not the Karen character, but you know, the female yeah. meteorologist character. Um, because I guess the, I don't know what they were thinking because I think they wanted somebody that you know maybe asked more questions or maybe like wanted to fight more with people or so you know, I mean, it's TV, right? <laughs> I mean, right, or scream or something. I mean, but I was a graduate student and I didn't really know I was gonna end up working, you know, with Josh. <laughs> so I mean, you kind of wanted to impress people. I mean, and, you know, people that I'd be applying for jobs, you know, would probably be like. Really? Oh, we didn't know what a tornado was. Like, or you know, I mean, yeah. oh we're gosh. like, oh god, you were really quarrelsome. Like, so, so you, how'd like, you play it? You so, so you went into it saying, okay, I'm gonna play it this way. What, what was? How'd you play? Yeah, it? I went how'd into you play it your being, own character. I went into it being probably really quiet, and they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but and then they and then they were just never were able to find kind of that person that they were looking for. I mean, so then the, like it was just every season like a new female of some sort came in um, and they never tried another female meteorologist again. So, I mean, it was fine. Again, it was good. I mean, and probably they could never later replace years. you. That was probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant to say. You so, broke I, mean, <laughs> I think if it was now or something that would have been, I would have been a different, you know, person on camera. I mean, I would have been probably more free with stuff like, no, yeah. no. Um, but like I mean, what? so yeah. So t how would, how would you play it today? How would you play your character of Karen? Kosiba? <laughs> I think um, I'd be more me chasers. and I probably would be quarrelsome. I mean, sometimes because I do disagree with stuff and I am more vocal um, than I was. I was probably really afraid of looking stupid. So Yeah, you're probably more <laughs> confident now. Yeah. I mean, right. And I just, again, yeah. I just, I don't know. I just pictured, you know, like I said, applying for jobs and people are like, oh, wow. Remember that time you asked that really dumb question? Right. <laughs> yeah, you have to think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and now you're on this show, which is recorded as well. There you go. <laughs> Use that on your resume. I, <laughs> but I think ultimately, I didn't want to say bad. I mean, so it, it was a mixed thing with Discovery Channel, but I mean, I think ultimately it was a good thing. It just wasn't for me the right time to be sure. probably yeah. that person. All right. Tonight we welcome Hank Shima, also known as Pecos Hank. He's a musician, songwriter, filmmaker, and professional storm chaser based in Houston, Texas. He's fronted the rock group Southern Backtones and now the Pecos Hank Band. During the same period, he has directed, produced, and starred in a full-length independent film, several music videos, and a catalog of storm and nature documentation on the Weather Channel, Discovery Channel, National Geographic, and more. He's also served as a storm consultant on a major motion picture, The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel. Very cool. Nice. So, um... Hank, you were in you're in Houston, so obviously you were around for Hurricane Harvey, right? 
Yeah. I had what to was that like? Well, I was, it was, you know, I was being chased. So the storm was coming to my home. And so rather than go out and get footage, I kind of wanted to be with mom and, and my wife to make sure our property and our stuff wasn't messed up. The last thing I didn't want to go off and chase it and then get separated from them. So I got nothing to say about it, except for we just sat and watched the water rise and rise and rise. And uh, luckily all of my family and friends, most of them came out okay, but uh, for a third of the city, man, it was terrible. They lost everything. Not a lot of lives lost, but all the property that they worked hard for, places that have never flooded. I mean, in, mm -hmm. in the history of Houston, flooded, you know, up to, you know, eight feet in their house. And, and so, uh, but a lot of that stuff was replaceable. I had one guy, a friend of mine who collected things and he just, for his whole life, he like hoards and collects old things and old vintage stuff. And, and so he lost everything. Yeah. Everybody else, you know, got is getting their stuff back, getting their carpet back, getting their walls back. But he, he did lose everything. That that's so sad. I think now I think I did read the uh, that it is the worst flood event in recorded history in America, if I believe it. Yeah, we're going to claim that here, whether it is or not. I that I think that's true. But man, that had to be rough, especially like, you know, you're trying to protect your own family. What do you do? Were, I mean, were you at home or did you try to get the family out or what? No, I, we just hoped that we were in high ground and we've never had flooding before, but this was different. I mean, we're getting massive floods here, you know, once every decade, you know, but this was, and we've had ones that were close, uh, her, uh, tropical storm, Allison, yeah. just a stationary low that just stopped on us and just sat. And, and so a lot of people lost And this one, maybe barely beat that one, but, uh, so yeah, it was terrible. That is Thank the cool. You. That's the coolest picture behind you. Mm -hmm. You got. Yeah, I was gonna say that picture is awesome. Which one? The girl here with the. With the knife? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me in trouble, did man. You take that. You take that picture behind you. Yeah, that's. Oh the, my gosh. That's the the May twenty fourth. There's two of them over here. Wow. And that's the the second significant tornado, the EF three, uh, of the day. Wow. wow. Yeah. I just did a uh, I did a lecture in uh, Ohio University and I, and Tim Marshall I heard I were on Facebook after this event and Tim Marshall was saying that this was one of the most incredible things he'd ever seen so you know it's special if Tim Marshall says something like that yeah right, I and would then right say. underneath right underneath that some guy wrote this was the first time I ever went storm chasing <laughs> <laughs> they're all like that yeah right for those of you who don't know the the May twenty fourth 2016 dodge city cyclic supercell was dropping photogenic high based well-lit tornadoes one after another two and three on the ground over you know not killing anybody uh, on a good road network so it was something i have waited for and dreamed of my whole life and so i yeah i can die happy yeah so hank hank i always love to ask this question you on the show because i think it gives pretty good insight about their background um but i think you're, you know, one of the more have have more of a diverse background than most of the people on here. What got you interested in weather and music, and you know, how did that kind of all come about? And you know, did you grow up and want to be a songwriter? Did you want to grow up being a weatherman, or was it kind of both? Man, it was both. It wasn't. It was. I was a photographer, and I always documented everything. You know, there's there's a there's a turtle. Let's document it. There's mm -hmm. a frog. Let's document it. And lightning was the elusive thing that you couldn't get, you know, and, and I got, I remember getting some, uh, 
a long negative strike one time. I actually got it, didn't have the branches. And I was like, oh, I got a picture of lightning on 110 film, you know, grainy. And uh, and it wasn't until I was about uh, maybe, I was really heavily inspired by Warren Fadley. You guys remember Warren Fadley? A little I bit. I don't think so. He was, he was one of the first, uh, maybe the second generation storm chasers that kind of was really good at marketing himself. And so he was, he had a book on the Weather Channel. He had a, uh, you'd see him talking about that his photography uh, was beautiful. You've probably seen a lot of his stuff out of Arizona is where he's based out of and the lightning. So I went after lightning and uh, and uh, started documenting lightning. And, uh, and then eventually, once you kind of get good at that, you go on to what? Tornadoes. Mm. I've read I've read, Hank, that you like to chase alone. I yeah. guess what why why is that? And, and what challenges have you come across maybe because of that? Is that a George like Thurgood song? I chase alone. No, it's gonna be our song. <laughs> Maybe because do you like to sing in the car and? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, that's. I think it's all of the above. Uh, you know, I might not be a, a friendly guy to travel with. You know, if you're slowing me down, I mean, you guys can imagine. Okay, if you if you bring somebody with you, and the sirens are going off, and they're shopping, they can't decide what candy bar they want. <laughs> You know, do you say, what do you say? Do you go, excuse me? Or do you bark? You say, you know, hurry your ass up. Right. And then they, then they pout the rest of the trip and I'm just like, screw this. <laughs> but, but you got to run into issues though, with challenges of having to navigate and drive and have a lookout of the radar and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then when you get to a location, and getting all your equipment out and what i mean have you had issues with that in the past um yeah i think so um i've been doing this a long time and uh so i probably started really 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 slow and gradually kind of honed in my uh, uh whatever you call it my routine routine thank you and um so i've Really, I have a very simple system. Um, I don't have a computer to the right. I have a, a pad or a, and a, a tablet, whatever they're called, and an iPhone here, and they're right there. And so I glance, I tell myself, glance, don't stare. That's when you can get in trouble as you start looking <laughs> at that <laughs> for rotation that isn't there. And, and, and so, and then I have everything is set to where I don't have to take my eyes off the road at all. I can grab a camera over here. I can put it on my tripod here. I can play with all this while keeping my eyes on the road as much as possible. Of course, I do turn away. I'll tell you guys one story. Um, uh, I used to brag about, I remember Margaret Thatcher said, sleeping is for wimps in one of her documentaries or movies. And I was like, yeah, sleeping's for wimps. And I used to think I was tough because I could go these long stretches without, without uh, sleep, you know, doing coffee and sunflower seeds, by the way, yeah. an excellent way to keep yourself awake. And, uh, and one day I was driving and I had a friend in the, in the co-pilot with me and I just picked up a map and just started reading it at the wheel. And so I, you know, so yeah, if you, you can wow. stay awake, but your brain will do. And so that was a big wake up call for me to, you know, that to take a break, try to live, to fight another day. If we can stay alive, you know, to do this for decades, you know, I think over the, I tell myself then 
you know, we'll get more footage if we can stay alive. So I try that's to a, remind myself that. that. That's a cruise control as far as just set it and forget it. And <laughs> well, I hear they have these cars that drive themselves. Oh, that would be so cool, <laughs> wouldn't it? Do they have tornado sensors though to, to you know, not drive into the middle of a tornado? That, like, you that... can disable them, I hear. You oh, have okay. to get, lift under the hood and disable okay. them. <laughs> With the yeah. scissors. Yeah, I, that <laughs> would be good. Do you the ever... blue wire, not the green wire. Oh, jeez. <laughs> do you ever tell people like where you're going to be just for safety purposes? I mean, I'm checking in maybe with the wife or a friend or somebody. No, I never know where I'm going to be. That's in fact, that's one of the things if people I would advise people on storm chasing is don't commit to a spot until it's time to commit. You know, people say I'm going to be in Kansas city on three day three. It's like, how do you know? You know, I mean, you go there and then, you know, you know, and what happens is if you commit to an area early, you become con, you know, you start looking for confirmation bias to, so leave it open until it's time. So I never know where I'm going. Although I think if, if, if I was your wife, I'd probably have a GPS locator on your phone that I could track. So I know where you are. Not, not for anything bad, just so I know you're safe. No, I, there's a thing called friend finder. You guys familiar with friend finder? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Dog tracker. Find my friends. Find my friends. I can pop up anytime and I can find out where Craig is. And, but a lot of people aren't cool with that. They don't Mm -hmm. want you to know where they are all the time. Especially girlfriends. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that sounds. Well, you can turn it on and off. So when you're chasing, turn it on. Like girlfriend. You don't forget to turn it on. I don't mind. I don't mind. But yes. Yeah. So, so equipment wise, then, Hank, what what do you you use? What do you have in your vehicle when you're out chasing? I try to go bare bones. Remember when uh, uh, Wi Fi was starting to catch on and suddenly you've got access to all this mesoscale analysis? I mean, just boom, boom. You don't have to stop at libraries anymore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, you can find out what the helicity is and you can find out, you know, all this, all this. And I caught myself, this was in 2007 when I was able, my equipment finally caught up. Other guys were probably doing this more. I caught myself staring at a computer more than looking at the sky. And, and so, uh, and was choosing what the computer told me to do when clearly that was the storm, but that's not in a more, you know, uh, tornado efficient environment, but it's a bigger storm and uh, I would go with what the computer said to do. And so finally I put it into that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate of use your eyes, you know, for those of us that have chased before, you know, Wi-Fi. you know, you would just drive out into a slight risk area and just stare at the sky. Hopefully it was a clear day. Mm-hmm. You see that, you know, the towers go up and then you go to the mesocyclone and that's how we got our tornadoes back, back then. And, uh, so uh, I have very minimal, I'm making this a long question. I have very minimal stuff. I've got a tablet, a phone with two different screens on, um, a weather radio that I bought 15 years ago. Uh, and then uh, that's it, cameras. You, you use a weather radio. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what kind of information are you getting off of that? <laughs> He'll tell you cell speeds, so you don't have to calculate them. That's the one good thing he's for, because obviously you get your warnings. But he'll say, it's moving this fast, and, you, okay, it's moving northwest at this. He'll, he'll just one more voice talking to you. Hmm. So, Hank, that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good segue into my next question. So where did you get this weather knowledge? Was it just, you know, you just going out and looking at storms and – kind of getting a feel for them and then, you know, going up and looking it up or, or where did it come from? It started, it started with surfing. When I was 18, I moved out to Los Angeles to be a rock star, but mm-hmm. I ended up delivering pizza instead. <laughs> and, and was it good pizza? Day. Was it good pizza? Oh, 
It was, it was, no, it was terrible. To this day, I can't eat. I was a pizza delivery boy at Pizza Hut, and to this day, I can't eat Pizza Hut. I, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I can't do Our it. Our next sponsor. I know. <laughs> Gone. Nope. Right, right. So, uh, so, but I can do Papa John's. Oh, wait, can we? Uh, he's kind of a, a jerk. Uh, <laughs> Gonna have to censor that one out. Right, 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 right. Okay, censor that out. I didn't say anything. But uh, yeah, anyway, so surfing, then I moved back to uh, Houston um after failing at being a rock star out there and uh and uh fell in love with surfing and then i found out you can surf in houston if you watch the weather so you get winds coming out of the southeast and the gulf at 20 knots for a couple days and you got this really choppy uh wind swell happening and then right when a cold front comes through or any kind of front you get these clean waves in texas for this short window of about three hours and so i'm always was watching that and then I was fortunate enough, I was a photographer at CBS, and I was fortunate enough to work with Dr. Neil Frank and two other meteorologists, Mario Gomez and David Paul. And uh, at, when you're a photographer at CBS, you don't do anything. You just sit around all day. And uh, I would just pull on their shirts and ask them questions. And to this day, the, the, you know, they cut my teeth. The, the basics that they taught me, I still use the same things they, they taught me you know 25 years ago and then you know you, you go to stormtrack.org and you pick up you know different things along the way and and then of course the college textbooks are great yeah which you can read while you're driving i hear <laughs> yeah, right. well now you have the audiobook yeah get that just thinking get an audiobook and listen to I it wish, oh, i wish they had weather I wish textbooks they did too. On, oh my gosh that would be so great Although you can't see all the pictures and the diagrams and the skew tees and all that not craziness. Yeah, Hank, I, th I think you hit on a really good point. I think, um, especially, I don't want to get too much into this, but especially kids in schools, there needs to be much more of kind of what you do, getting out in the field and getting some right. field experience. Because really, book knowledge is only so much you can do. You have to True. develop kind of that instinct, not only for storm chasing, for forecasting. I mean, so much of it is instinct sometimes, you know, because yeah. the models are all over the place. So. You know, I think that what you've have done is you've done it the right way. Um, so it's, you know, it's really, it's really awesome. So how, how much of that, Hank, are you using on your target day, like to pick out your target? What what uh, what information are you using? Um, I'll use the Mesos, you know, anything. Any, I'm, can do, I probably am one day I'll use the NAM. Most most of the days I'll start off with the wrap. And, and I don't even know if that's what everybody's doing. I've just been doing that so long. I'll start off with the wrap and I'll do a mesoanalysis. And then I'll do the her on top of that. I'll draw little circles of, of the her throughout the day. And uh, one of the things that I do, I don't know if everybody does this, but I print out little maps and draw it out. And it's like, it's like remembering something. Like if you're trying to remember song lyrics, if you write it out, you yeah. remember it. So by drawing my isobars and drawing my isotherms, I kind of remember an idea. And that might be something that helps. I don't know. Definitely writing anything out. It's like how I studied. <laughs> Once you write it out, it's much easier to remember. Right. I can remember cheating in college and I would take a pen and I could fit all of my chemistry formulas on a pen. <laughs> Sorry that I'm, I'm not bragging. Was that this. like your cheat sheet? Yeah, but the, by the time you finished writing them out, you learned yeah, them and then you didn't you did. need to use it. Hmm. University line one. <laughs> they're following up they're following up so, on you so i ended up not cheating good that's good that's what they heard too so that's good <laughs> so all right so may 31st uh 2013 el reno oklahoma 
wildest, uh, craziest, and, and the widest tornado in history. Killed eight. Four of them were storm chasers. Uh, injured 151. You were there. Fill us in a little bit on, on your day leading up to that and what you saw. Well, I was lucky in that I was there early, so I didn't have a, a commute. Uh, I, even though you know I was there waiting, so when you've got time, as you guys know, you know if you're not driving, it, it's harder to to look at all the data. So I was just sitting there looking at the data, and I even pulled out my map of El Reno area, and I, I marked all the bridges because you know I still use paper maps, um, and I like to write on them notes while I'm chasing. And so I, I highlight all the bridges across the Canadian River, you know, like, and so I was just really prepared and I was in the perfect location prior to initiation. And, you know, the storm, you know, the initial cell mode was northeast and then it was east. And, you know, then it went tornado warned and they were saying it was east southeast. But then I'm looking at it going, man, this thing's coming almost due south, you know. So I was there well prepared and in the right spot. So I didn't get caught in the, uh, in the mess as, as many other people did that might've been traveling, had to punch the core, uh, you know, coming from the North and, and to come out of the rain and maybe be a little disoriented. I was in a good spot. Uh, but even when I decided to turn and run, uh, the, the RFD was swinging the, the back end of my tail out and I was, Oh, really? Doing, oh yeah, man. In, in, in a clear, you know, I mean, I was probably, a, I mean, at least a half a mile away from the mesocyclone at that point. And still, my and it was, I was still whipping you back and forth. Yeah, it was slinging my back end out from underneath me. And then, then I stopped to help a lady, and and so that put me behind. I thought something terrible had happened that she just wanted to. She was just panicking and wanted to know if her family was okay. And so, oh. made a, made a phone call for her, and then, then so I, I I really didn't get great. Where, where'd you come across her? Where'd you see her? Uh, when I was, once I, um, once the storm dropped and I got some footage of the first suction vortices, then I bailed and ran south. And then I took a road, uh, going, were you there? Oh, okay. No, took one of the, one of the, one of the paved roads, uh, going east. And I saw this lady in the road doing this and oh, everybody geez. was just driving around her, like, get out of the way lady. And I thought, oh my God, what, what, what's, you know, what happened to her? And you can even tell in the video, people go, you sound kind of like a jerk. And I was a little, uh, I, I was a little disappointed that, that she just wanted to use the phone, I'm, which is good. I'm glad she wasn't hurt. But I stopped thinking, oh, my God, something terrible's happened. She goes, I need to use my phone. So I made a call for her. And, so she was stopped. she trying to flag people down? Yeah. yeah but she, she was standing in the and road. Trying to, yeah. And I mean, yeah. I thought, yeah, something terrible, which something terrible did happen. She was worried about her grandchildren uh, that were possibly in the path of the tornado so well and thanks at this for time i didn't know it was that bad at this time i thought oh man this you know it was suction vortices and i remember going what am i looking at like okay just film it i at this time i don't even have any idea of of what the scale of, of the storm was hmm. wow so what so what have been some of your you've obviously been involved in a lot of other weather projects hank um uh, film, video, uh, pho photography. What I guess. What have been some of your favorites? Man, I tell you, right now I'm working on a couple things that I'm. I'm not only working as a is a major overstatement, but basically the guys that are doing some awesome stuff I get to talk to, and one of those is Dr. Lee Orr. I just get to chat with him 
about his models and his modeling the supercell growing thunderstorms, you know, at 30 kilometer resolution, 20 kilometer resolution. Are you guys familiar with Dr. Lee Orff's work? It, the, the name sounds somewhat familiar, but I don't know. No. Oh, man. Wait till you see his stuff. Go to his YouTube channel after this. Dr. Lee, L-E-I-G-H, last name O-R-F, and watch his simulations of supercells at 20, 20 meter, excuse me, resolution and 30 meter resolution, and it will blow your mind. And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to validate his models by dovetailing my footage with his simulation. Oh, that's so I, cool. Right. That's so cool. I saw, I saw his supercells and was like, this is beautiful. I, and I've seen that and I've seen that and I've seen that. And so, so he, he was like, well, show me. And so we're kind of, I'm collaborating with him a little bit by doing that. Will you set it to music that you actually write? Uh, well, that's up to him, but he can write <laughs> too, so he's a he's a musician as well. So, but anything that I do, it's it saves a lot of copyright infringement if you just write the music yourself. Well, let, let's talk music. Here's my first question because I've I've listened I've listened to you, love it. But what what do you call your musical style? What do you call that? Because it's it's obviously it's unique. Over, it's a mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's it's I like uh, old spaghetti westerns was a huge influence of mine when I was a kid. Anything with Clint Eastwood in was my favorite. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've watched them hundreds of times. And then I love surf music. You know, um, uh, old rockabilly Elvis. I love Elvis. So it's a mixture of all that. El spaghetti western, rockabilly voodoo. Let's call it that. Stray cats, maybe. So, yeah, a little straight. Straight cats are yeah. traditional rockabilly. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of that, and then uh, and then also I love gypsy jazz. If if you guys are familiar with gypsy jazz, was that Cher? Was that Cher? <laughs> Beyonce, actually. Beyonce's well known for her her gypsy jazz. Well, what? So so then tell me, is there any connection? You got music, you got storm chasing. Have you connected those yet? Are there connections that you've well, made weird between thing, those? The weird thing is that they connected because on YouTube, I'm getting views because of my tornadoes, but I'm scoring the tornadoes with my music, which is selling songs that I wrote 20 years ago. So somehow these two crazy things have connected. And that's one of the weird things about social media nowadays. One of my favorite examples is there's a guy who was his passion in life was marbles. And he's got this viral YouTube channel of him doing marble, marble races. And it's funny. It's actually <laughs> hilarious. He's so into marbles that you watch it and you're just, you cheer for him. And uh, so, yeah, that's where we've come. Does, does he still have him or has he lost him? No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I had, had to. We need the drums. Boo. We need the drums, Bill. Do you have a drum? Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, we should have all seen that coming and we didn't. Oh. Uh. Yes, I saw it coming. You've I got a monopoly. You've got a monopoly on the music and, and on the, uh, <laughs> the storm chasing combination there. That's good. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. 
While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. If you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.